she was like, don't put yourself or let other people put you in another box. You are about to get out of the box that you have been in since you were a child. Like people have always left you in that box. And so because you're out of a box, they need to put you in another one and you have to fight that. I'm Eden, and this is Keep the Mess, messy conversations with messy people, where we have conversations about how we relate to our bodies and go down whatever rabbit holes we find. I started this podcast because I'm a bit obsessed with this topic. I struggle with embodiment myself and wanted to learn how other people live in and out of their bodies. And I figured if I'm interested in these things, chances are that others are as well. So welcome, fellow obsessives. In this episode, I speak with my new friend, Casey. I recorded this conversation on October 8, 2022. As will be mentioned later, Casey and I did not know each other before this, and we had only met once before this recording. We were introduced by a mutual friend who thought we would get along, and I'm glad that this project has led me to another beautiful friendship. We get into all sorts of fun topics here. Sexuality, purity culture, body dysmorphia, concerns about fundamentalism both in and out of religious circles, and more. Content warning for talk about spiritual abuse and homophobia. And lastly, I want to remind people that just because I have someone on this podcast doesn't mean I agree with them on all matters, or even many. These episodes are not about facts or saying things perfectly, but about people's stories, their experiences, their processing. Connecting and communicating with ourselves and each other is a messy affair, so I ask for a listening ear and some grace. All right, here is my interview with Casey. All right. So the first question, how do we know each other? So we have a mutual friend who is a minister, and I went to school uh, with him many, many years ago when I was studying for the ministry, and he connected us based off what you're interested in. Yeah, I, I think I was a bit surprised because I was asking him if he would be interested. And then he's like, maybe, but I know, (laughs) I know this person would be interested. And uh, it it very much piqued my curiosity. And I I will also just say, because this will be important to when we're talking later. uh, But this is a minister in a more conservative denomination as well, who we both love. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I- I've known him for the last four years, and you've known him... I think it, almost 20 years. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, a long time. So, yeah, absolutely. He's been a huge part of my journey, and, yeah, I respect him greatly, even though we disagree on things. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... So yeah, you and I have met once right. in a cafe mm-hmm. and we had a great time, but it's yeah. only been once. Right. <laughs> uh, whereas people, other people I've interviewed for this, I've known for a couple of years or actually the last one I did, it was t- 12 years, I think. Okay. So yeah. I've noticed that they're all different depending on how well we know each other. So I'm, I'm excited for how this one right. also, <laughs> also goes. Yeah. And then my second question is, how would you introduce yourself? What is important for others to know and understand about you? Oh, such a loaded question. Uh, 
I think for the context of this conversation, or even in general at this stage in my life, it's important to realize where I came from. So I grew up in a conservative denomination, uh, which of course growing up in it, you don't think you're conservative at that time because you see others that are much more conservative. But uh, I was very involved in ministry from a very young age. I think I preached at like 10 was the first time that I was really? in front of the congregation. Yeah. And uh, I absolutely loved it. And I loved ministry. I loved mm. uh, being a part of that. And so that's a big piece of, of how I was raised and even went into, uh, went into ministry. That's how I knew our mutual friend or know our mutual friend. But then throughout that, the course of growing up, I realized that I had same-sex attraction. And again, using the terminology from the church. Um, and But I knew at that time, for me, that that's not what God wanted. And so I um, just chose to not act on that and chose to do counseling and, and do all that. But the fast-forward version uh, of that, though obviously there's a lot there, is ultimately I did... After Bible college and after seminary, I did have a period basically where I deconstructed uh, in the faith. And so left the faith at the same time, kind of accepted my sexuality and decided to move in in that direction of coming out and also leaving the faith. And so that happened just in the last year that I kind of publicly, I would Mm -hmm. say probably seven years ago, I personally settled on the fact that I was no longer part of that faith and I was accepted that I was gay. Um, but it wasn't until I, um, last year that I decided to officially Mm -hmm. make that the case and not because of that, but related to that, I also had a big move where I left a job and I moved from the East coast to the West coast. And when I decided to move somewhere, I didn't know where I wanted to land, but I wanted a place where there would be community, where there would be a queer community where I would Mm -hmm. feel. So I, I chose a city that had that community before I got a job or anything Mm -hmm. like that as well. So now I'm experiencing for the first time at uh, later because I just turned 40. And so for me, it's it's very much like a second adolescence, right? Like I'm kind of experiencing <laughs> for the first time because because of my religious upbringing, I didn't date at all. I didn't date women mm-hmm. or men or anyone. So it wasn't until I was uh, until I was forty that I actually had my first date, had my first boyfriend, all that that stuff. So uh, it's been a very exciting time for me, but also very drastic difference, obviously from conservative um and and then coming out and but also coming out at a much later later time not to say past my prime because it's unfair to say about myself but in if we're being honest in the gay world I, (laughs) i had one friend when i turned 40 who said he's like if if 30 is gay dead, what is 40? <laughs> so is, he was is, joking, but... Is 30 really gay dead? In... <laughs> I don't I don't think it is now. Like, I feel like for me personally, now actually being a part of the community, there was, 
there was a lot of things that maybe even are true in some areas, but are just kind of stereotypical, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have this sort of like, for me, you know, like this is what a gay man looks like. This is how a gay man acts. Like we do with anything. I mean, yeah. and so for me, that's been freeing to be like, no, that's not actually true. But you have those things. And as we'll talk about more that are related to your body, right? Where you're like, oh, if I want to be this, then my body needs to look like this for me to have this. And mm-hmm. yeah, um, so I think that's the short, short version. There's, there's a lot more involved in that because there was a while that my, uh, part of my testimony that I would share publicly was that I had same-sex attraction. So I, I not promoted conversion therapy and the way we think of like the horrible, like shocking conversion therapy, but I certainly spoke to the, the fact that I believe that God could change those things that he didn't want people to be this way. And so um, just like any other thing that, that we had going on that we wanted to change, that God would help us change that. So that's the way I viewed that. And, mm. and that influenced one of the reasons that I decided to come out publicly and post about it and be clear about it is I didn't feel like I needed to like do penance for having said those things. Mm. Cause I believed them at the time, like yeah. with all of my heart. And I obviously was, I was living it as well. I wasn't like living a duplicitous life and telling people one thing I wasn't doing. But at the same time, I'm old enough that people, that I'm like, people don't care. They don't need to know, right? Like I can just live my life. But I was like, because I was publicly this way and I know I have friends in ministry because we all train together in ministry that are using me as an example. Mm. Like when I thought about that where I'm like, oh, if I have friends who are pastors and in their mind, they're like, well, I knew this this one person and he had this experience. And so I'm going to continue this because I was proof of that. Uh, that bothered me of being like, I don't need yeah. to go back to all those places and retell this story. Um, but at the same time, I want to be clear to everyone. It's like, okay, the example that you thought I was, I'm actually the example of the other side that mm-hmm. like, no, you, yeah. that, that part is not, is not reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah there there's a whole lot in there. So many like delicious yeah. sections that I'm like, Oh, I want, I want to talk about that. Um, but I, I guess, uh, to start. Yeah. How, how did growing up in a more conservative community affect the way that, <clears throat> that you viewed and experienced your body just to keep it general so that you yeah, can go in any direction you absolutely. want Absolutely. Well, I think something that I did not explicitly feel at the time, but I heard someone use this verbiage and I think it, it fits really well for my experience is growing up in a conservative church like I did. Mm-hmm. Um which again, it's so funny to me, like when I think of, you know, to use the word conservative, but it's like comparatively, um, uh, or maybe traditional is the right, right word to use. The concept is that your body is sinful, that that's what, what scripture says that God has redeemed that. And that's beautiful, but mm-hmm. your body is sinful. And so it has sinful impulses that you need to, mm-hmm. that you need to work on. And that your mind is sinful. It's going to choose the wrong path. You have to keep guard of your mind and all that and then your heart is sinful above all else so Mm -hmm. those things that when i was in it 
it was beautiful and redemptive because God has reached down and he is cleansing those things. And despite how horrible you are and how every piece of you is, we didn't use this word in church, but shit. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it's this beautiful story, right? But the flip side of that is that everything's wrong. Like your body's mm-hmm. wrong. Your mind is wrong. Your heart is wrong. So anything that comes out of you that's good, any kindness that you do to someone else, that's the Holy Spirit working in you. That's right. that's that's something that God's... And that's beautiful, right? But any mistake you make, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's not God. That's you. And right. you messed it up. So again, I didn't view it that way at all. I view the beautiful redemptive side. But the way that that affects your body is you, you can't trust it. Like you, you can't mm-hmm. trust your gut. You can trust the Holy Spirit, which again... It's very define, difficult. Absolutely. Define your gut and the Holy Spirit. Like I, to, to pause that rhetoric, I had a really interesting experience once I officially left the faith and, and came out and it was a couple months in and I just had this random gut feeling like, oh, I need to call this friend. Mm-hmm. And I did just because I was like, that's weird. Like, I just randomly really think I need to call. So I call this friend. They were having like a horrible day and it it meant mm-hmm. the world to them that somebody reached out to them and they expressed that. Mm-hmm. And it was this beautiful moment. And I had this realization where years ago had that happened, I would have been like, that was the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit mm-hmm. was working within me. But in that moment, I realized, well, by a reading of scripture, the Holy Spirit's not in me anymore because of, you know, what I've done and what I've chosen to do. Um, and not follow him. So that those kind of gut feelings that I had all along that I attributed to the Holy Spirit, because once again, I can't do anything good. My body can't be good. So any good has to come from God. And so um, the effects that that then had on my body is, again, that it's just wrong. Like any feeling that you have or desire you have is like some base desire, unless it's self-sacrificial. Like Mm. that theme of like, and I love servant leadership. I think there's beauty in that. And that's another religion as well. But that idea that unless you are kind of harming yourself for the good of someone else, you're not actually doing good. Right. And so Mm. I think for me, that just made me not trust my body or my my gut and then you have the the flip side of that is the purity culture and Mm -hmm. i don't know how it how it was for you but for Mm me i was in the height of the like i kiss dating goodbye Mm -hmm. movement the true love waits all of that um now for me as a gay man the i kiss dating goodbye was super convenient because i kiss dating goodbye (laughs) from high school all the way through college. And I looked super uh, righteous for it when in actuality yeah. it was just like, oh, <laughs> girls are gross. I mean, not, <laughs> it was, you know, not that bad, but you know what I mean? Um, so what that purity culture, which again, to be fair, that purity culture went bananas. Like that's not scripture. I mean, there's some, yeah. in my opinion, some intense things in scripture, but that's not what we're talking about. But the purity culture took it to a crazy level that was not scripture based. Um, And it very much was like, again, it's the woman's responsibility to cover up, right? Like if she wears something Mm -hmm. revealing, it's not the man's fault because men, boys will be boys. Like, it's just crazy that that was okay in the church. Yeah. So it was this weird thing and me being very sensitive 
to towards women and women being misused like I felt that like I felt like wait a minute why mm-hmm. if if this random girl decides to wear something maybe because it's the only thing she owns like we have no idea why people dress the way they do like why is that her fault right or even the rhetoric of like well you know she kind of got what's coming to you know this crazy rhetoric yes that yeah. that put this insane amount of pressure 100% on the on women and girls when ironically and I'm going to get off the soapbox but ironically in a religion in a denomination that focuses on men being the leaders and taking mm-hmm. responsibility but yet when it came to sexuality yeah. it was like oh no men are debased like so women you need to protect them because they can't control themselves if they see your ankles um like and so this craziness that i i have friends i was just talking to one of them this morning who grew up in the same church that i did but as um as a woman horrible things for her came out of that period of culture i mean just mess with Mm -hmm. her image of her body and she still carries to this day even though she's been out of it for 20 years um but for me what it it kind of grounded in my body was again my body's sinful but it also reiterated that like you're going to have these urges that Mm -hmm. again are somehow the woman's responsibility to like keep you from seeing them um and just any sexuality it should be completely ignored except in marriage. And then it's going to totally work out. And And, and suddenly it's going to work. Suddenly it's going to work. No problems. The sex is going to be amazing. Like there's just this promise that like everything's going to work out great. And of course I've had friends that went that route and spoiler alert. Um, That it it doesn't. um, And sometimes it does, but that just made me like my body was something other. Mm-hmm. And it was my body was something to be taken into submission. And so mm-hmm. kind of the same way that a athlete would look at training their body in every way. Like, I mean, they're, if they're training for the Olympics, every micronutrient matters and every little thing they do or don't do matters. Mm-hmm. In the same way, I felt that way about my body. Like you're just constantly keeping the submission because if you just let it go, like who knows what horrible place mm-hmm. that I will find myself in. Like every everything is just a slip and slide to hell. Like with your body, you know what I mean? Like you do something like you're always going to go. And so for me, um, one of the ways that that kind of came about in my body was that it, it made me just, just a lot of shame with my body, right? Like anything that could be construed as sexual was shameful. And, and that was even, what was almost promoted as well. Like anytime we had a, 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 a meeting of like the, the youth and they separated the guys from the girls. Like it was always the girls were going to be told like how to dress yeah. and the guys were going to be told like how sinful masturbation was or like to bounce their eyes or to whatever. Um, and it was just a constant reminder of like, you have got to keep this in check. Like if you even remotely go down this road, there's only one option and it's horrible. And it's, it's, uh, um, to uh, quote, is that from Mean Girls where they're getting the sex talk or whatever and they're like, you'll have sex and then you'll die or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying yeah, to remember what it is, like but that. it's something, yeah, something like that. So it's that um, that kind of idea, but on the, the sexuality and because it's wrapped in God said this, like you can't argue with it. You can't have a discussion about it. Um, 
and it's it's a non-negotiable right so like there's mm-hmm. no and for me i had the extra weight of um also having these feelings these homosexual feelings to again use a biblical term um that i was like okay if it's just sinful for me to look at a woman and lust which one i don't have that problem but um if it's way more worse that i look at a man and lust mm. is a man like i i'm i'm beyond messed up like this is it's yeah. it's pointless to even go down this road like i'm and i i think for me i didn't struggle with like feeling worthless about it like for me i just focus so hard on how can i then be like the best servant for god like how can i yeah. and i genuinely i think it's really important to note because oftentimes when i'll talk to people about this i'll get the well you must not have really ever been a christian before mm. or you must not really understand god's view mm-hmm. and that always, of course, is super insulting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really important to note, I was in it to win it. Like, genuinely not. I didn't feel this external pressure. Like, I went to Bible college. I went to seminary. Um, I I stayed celibate until I was 40. You know what I mean? Where it's like, if I was doing this for me, like, if I was... And, yeah. And the ingrained in me so deeply is, like, this kind of justice thing. You know, some... Some people, they're passionate about different things. So for me, like the thought of being duplicitous, like even when I would talk to my friends, they're like, well, why don't you just try it? Maybe you're going to try it and you're not going to like it and you'll come back, but you don't want everyone to know. And I'm like, no, I can't, Mm. you know, serve God and man, you know, like everything is very, very binary. Um, And so I feel like that was the case with my body as well, where I was just like, okay, this is my only option. I have to beat it into submission, not beat it, but beat my body into submission. <laughs> um, and uh, they, that's the only way to deal it because it is, it is sinful and it is, it, there's nothing I can trust from it. Mm. So even if I'm like, oh, what about this beautiful, like I have this example of these, this beautiful couple that is gay. Like, no, that can't be right because that's wrong. Like They, they can't be beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. Intrinsically. So um, I think that was a huge piece of it. And with that shame, then you have just shame about your physical body as well. Like you have that combination of what anyone in life is going to deal with of comparing their body to other people, right? Like magazines are all, all that stuff that, that we all deal with to varying degrees. But then when you have that compounded with viewing beauty differently than the people around you um then you just end up having a very distorted view like for me like that weird sense of like oh i I can't be super attractive like because what if i am a stumbling block to someone else or what if um so it just makes for a really interesting um viewpoint like you you are trying to force yourself to be non-sexual mm-hmm. and and of course there's so much more in life than being sexual but like when you block out that one piece of yourself it does have huge effects it for the rest this of obsessive sort of thing absolutely absolutely yeah. and so i think that's where i um carry over some of that pressure even that was put on uh put on 
uh, women in in where I was raised because that thought of where you're like, oh yeah, well then you now you can make now that you are sexual, you can make people stumble or you can yeah. do these things. So uh, it's been an interesting uh, journey for me. I now this is probably like ten years ago. As I was thinking about my body, and I was like, I need to not. I feel like because there was such pressure to not be sexual, I sexualized things that shouldn't be sexualized, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're just so afraid. So for me, I was just really insecure about being naked around people. I never had to do it. I didn't do any sports that required it. So I, it wasn't until I was in college, I was actually an RA and one, a naked guy ran down the hall and I literally hadn't seen another man naked uh, live. Um, in, in my life, that was the first time and that was just really weird. I mean, I'm sure like as a kid, like I, you know, did when ran around or whatever, but, um, I just realized like, I just have a lot of like mm-hmm. insecurities because I immediately think sexual, right? Like negative means sexual. We're like, but that doesn't like, we need to not yeah. look at our bodies that way. Yeah. And that's unhealthy. So I <laughs> went through this big journey where I keep trying to remember I think I spent six months like reading a bunch of books um watching documentaries all leading up to me going to a nudist camp and I actually wrote mm. a a paper I guess this was not long after I got out of school so I was still in like paper writing mood um but I pulled up the paper probably a couple months ago and it's so long that it took me almost an hour and a half to read it and it was me basically taking away all the different stigma that we have about our bodies or male anatomy specifically. And then just being like, you just need to accept it as it is like, yes, it's sexual, but yes, it's not like, so there's this, this, um, this sense. And for me, there was a huge freedom uh, in going to that nudist camp. Cause again, the people don't care. And it wasn't a sexual place at all. It was mm-hmm. actually more for like retirees, like most of the people <laughs> like 70 and 80 um, uh, grandparents with their grandkids playing in the pool. So it was not at all like a, a swingers club or anything. Um, but for me, it was so liberating um, because there was just so much shame attached to that where mm-hmm. I'm like, if I expose this again, it's that slippery slope. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with them. Like mm-hmm. I'm somehow being perverted. And um, so for me, that was a big unlocker for um for my uh my body and how I view my body as well yeah yeah Mm. yeah just I I think the thing that caught my attention the most is the idea of because you're trying so hard to be holy and to avoid being sexual in any way and to keep yourself from being sexual, to keep others from being sexual towards you or all of this, it does make for, as I was saying, this obsessive sort of like everything, this is everything. And, you know, uh, as someone who is in sexual recovery um, I, I know that was definitely affected by my upbringing because it's like, this, this is bad. Don't do it. It's like, all I can think about is oh, that absolutely. right now. Yeah. The, what, don't think about the pink elephant. Yeah, don't think absolutely. about, don't think about the pink <laughs> elephant. I definitely hear you talking about it growing up. How was that for you when you were 
because you were on a sort of a sort of speaking circuit also right. for you know as someone who is in conversion therapy right, yes, yeah. and and talking about your journey and being abstinent and stuff like that like how, yeah where was all of that yeah so that came about um so in college i was I remember it very clearly. I was going to the main public library in the downtown of the city that I was living in. And this, I was big on evangelism at the time. And so like every time there's an opportunity to share. Um, and again, I don't, I don't say that as uh, like a slight to those who do that because I remember back, cause obviously you're thinking these people are going to hell. Like, so you were mm-hmm. doing a kindness. Like, so I've, to keep that in mind when I get frustrated when I see it, but from their perspective, but nonetheless, so I was very much like, you know, if you were in my path from my car to the library, like you were going <laughs> to probably hear. And, um, and so there was this, this guy that we struggled with conversation. I don't even remember the full breadth of it, but I just remember that walking just from the parking lot to the, the main entrance. So it was about a block. We're chatting back and forth and I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, we are, we're, are, are vibing. Like I'm, we're connecting, like, this is going to be great. Like I'm, planting a seed. I wouldn't like do the full thing, but I was, you know, planting seeds. And, um, and then when I got to the door, like as we got close to the door, something clicked in my head where I all of a sudden realized, wait a minute, like he's been flirting. Like I've been thinking like, oh, we're getting this banter back and forth. And then it, it clicked maybe a few seconds just before he was like, my hotel is just over here. Like it all of a sudden hit me where I'm thinking we're connecting and like, oh, wow, in this great way, all of a sudden I realize this guy is like, my hotel's right over there. Let's go. And that freaked me the crap out. Like I ran and mm-hmm. literally ran into the library and um, immediately went to uh, a, a professor at my college and was like, uh, told him everything. I was like, I need to go into counseling because I was like, I could have messed up right then. And then again, a slippery slope, mm-hmm. like I'd be in Sodom and Gomorrah in two days. And um, so that started that process. And then I heard that at the the college that I went to, they were going to do a series on homosexuality. And so mm. I, and it was, they announced it long in advance because this is, this has been many, many years ago. So it was like a big deal for, you know, the, mm-hmm. to even be a topic other than, you know, randomly yelling about it. Um, and so when I heard about it, I immediately was like, oh my gosh, like, because you, I don't know your experience, but for me, it was like, Anytime it would come up, you're like, yes. everyone knows, they know, they hear, they're bringing it up, they know. Like, So there was that fear. But then as I heard my friends talk about it, which there was no one that was talking about it in a horrible way, but they were talking about it in a very like, oh, this will be good to discuss like, because this mm-hmm. is something that's becoming more mm-hmm. of a thing. And I'm like, these people don't realize in, the, in a campus this large that there's a bunch of us here. Like they, their minds... Yeah. Um, just because it's not spoken about are very much like, Oh, nobody here would have that, Mm -hmm. but we need to do it for those we can witness better. Like Mm -hmm. again, good intentions, but like oblivious to the fact that it's, that it's, that it's present. Um, So I went to the person that was leading, that was going to be a whole series. And I told them out, I was like, I want to share, you know, I have same sex attraction. I've been doing counseling for it. And I would like to share because I feel like if we don't put a face to this, like it's mm-hmm. going to kind of have no impact and it's going to be like this heady thing and that's not going to help anybody. And he was very wise uh, because he said, I don't know if that's a good thing for you to do. Like I, he's like, I would, 
really reconsider that. I want you to talk to your counselor about it. I want you to pray and fast about it for, and I did for three, I think it was like three months. Mm -hmm. Um, And I came to the conclusion that I was like, no, I still need to do this. Like this needs to happen. So when I gave the talk, it went like, it it couldn't have gone any better. Like Mm -hmm. people were so, I mean, there was a line, I think it was on stage for like 30 minutes afterwards, like the line down the hall, people just coming to hug me. And like, it was a wonderful experience, but and again, I 100% believed it when I, when I shared it, but my talk was not, this is who I am. My talk was, this is what I struggle with and God is working on it. And like, let's, mm. you know, be kind to one, you know, all that stuff, but it was predicated with like, but I'm not doing this kind of like the person who's like, oh, I was on drugs, but now mm-hmm. I'm off. Like, praise the Lord, let's celebrate that. Um, and so I started to share that and it was very freeing. And again, it obviously helped a lot of people because it wasn't brought out um but as i started to share it and there was another book that came out at that time called washed and waiting by wesley hill and i remember at the time when i read it i was upset that i hadn't written it because i was just so aligned with it because he was of the the viewpoint which was radical at the time was that people are born this way but God still calls them to be celibate, right? So mm-hmm. he, instead of being like, you need to change or you're horrible and debase, he was like, hey, look, we, we've tried. <laughs> it doesn't work to change yeah. us, including himself. He's like, so we are called, and the book is from uh, the passage of scripture that that lists and homosexuality is in there. Like, these are all the things that you were once these things, but you were washed and waiting. And, and mm-hmm. it's this beautiful passage of, of redemption. And But so that's his point that like, don't look at yourself as horrible and having changed, but look at it as like you're washed and waiting for, you know, for heaven. And so that's the route that I went again, remaining, remaining celibate and sharing that, that story. And so for me, I, that's when the crack started to form Mm. because I shared probably with between two to 3000 people over a two year period and Mm -hmm. in various settings and and then there were some recordings of it that went to other you know so it had a, a pretty broad reach and taught a couple of classes and um, or spoke at a few uh, different classes and I had a lot of people come up to me you know afterwards and be like I struggle with that or like mm-hmm. share but never once despite me generally crying every time I gave the talk because mm-hmm. again you're standing in front of people being like look how horrible and simple mm-hmm. I am I never once had someone come up to me and say, I I was gay and God changed me. And now Mm -hmm. I am the way I'm supposed to be, whatever the wording would be. And that started to be really weird to me. Cause at first I was like, Oh, well I'm sure they're out there. Right. Cause we read about them in all these books. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but maybe they just don't want to say it. And then I'm like, what kind of monster would like watch, Mm -hmm me on stage being so raw and vulnerable and would not in some way like reach out even anonymously yeah. and just be like, Hey, just so you know, like I can't because of whatever this is, but you know, there's hope. there's hope. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so then I started to get bold with it and I started to ask several of my friends that were in ministry or who were pastors. And I would say, um, one, bring me one person that I can talk to face to face. Don't give me another book or a YouTube person. <laughs> um, uh, one person I can actually talk to that changed, not somebody who got married, um, because I had several friends who did that, who got married and then 
had affairs with the pool boy or whatever and, and broke it off. Or uh, perhaps um, found one person that they were attracted to. Oh, absolutely, yes. Like that, yeah. That's also a thing, but they're still attracted yes. to uh, the same sex. Yes, absolutely. Very good distinction. So the... And they never could do it. They never could bring that one person. So mm-hmm. I... That started to make me really rethink where I'm like, here I am saying this thing can happen. We've all been saying it can happen and it does happen, but I've never met anyone. And this was simultaneously happened when all of the big gay conversion places fell at the same time. So you had Exodus International Mm -hmm. where the two leaders hook up and run off. um, And you had the three major ones all fall because of infidelity within the leadership. Mm and so that was like, there's my second sign <laughs> that like, wait a minute, this isn't going to work like the yeah. people. And this wasn't just a matter of like, oh, leaders mess up or fall because they're human. But you're like, um, the same thing happened at all these major ones. Um, and that for me really started to put the cracks in of like, well, now, wait a minute, what am I? I'm forcing my body to submit to this thing under the promise that there is change, right? That there is right. hope. But the only reason I hope for that is not because I don't want to be gay. Like, I do want to be gay because that's what I like and what I want. But because I'm being sold this, this is what your body was designed to do. This is what your body should do. Anything else is not only wrong, but it's sinful and it's against Mm -hmm. God and he hates it. Um, And uh, stone people for it. So that's that's that hope, that kind of dangling carrot. And Mm -hmm. so... For me, and I know this is harsh and it's it's difficult to say again because I've having been in ministry and truly believed it, I know this would hurt to hear someone say this, but this is how I feel in this moment. It's very much like an ad campaign that makes you want something and then sells you something, right? Where they're like, Oh, do you are you comfortable with um, you know, how you're dressed right now, because you would look so much better in this shirt. You'd be happier in this shirt. Like everyone would mm-hmm. love you in this shirt. Like your shirt, this shirt, this is what you need. Like, and they all of a sudden you had you loved your shirt before that right. ad, but afterwards you're like, I need that shirt. So it feels very much like that, especially related to the body within again the kind of the tradition that I was in. That is like, okay, your body's sinful, your mind's sinful, your heart's mm-hmm. sinful, above all else. But here's this beautiful thing that you can attain to that we all say we can get, but no one has actually gotten. <laughs> um, but we're going to dangle it there. And oh, by the way, you can't have any opinions about it because God says this. So like, you, this yeah. is your only option. And also, we're going to give you a different shirt. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and you're like, no, we're, we're burning your shirt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Like, that's not an option. So I think during that period... It just solidified that even more for me uh, of like, wait a minute, I have done all this stuff and I don't, I don't carry bitterness with me. I'm not looking back and being like, oh, I did so much for God and he didn't do anything for me. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm sticking it to him by doing this. I don't feel that way at all. But I also feel like looking back that while I, I believed it at the time and I was as authentic as I could be to it, I was just really denying myself which literally is what we say we're doing right Mm. (laughs) i must decrease so he must increase and so i just did that to my body i would say i was just shut off to my body because it was it was just a vessel to be used and not something 
um, again, on the sexual level, just shut off. Everywhere else, it's like, oh, if you want to work on your body or run or do something like that, that's mm-hmm. fine. But everything else is, is shut off. And for me as a gay man, there was no option, right? Unless yeah. unless I got married to a woman. And I, again, respect and, and love women. And so I was like, why would I do that to anyone? Like I had mm-hmm. friends that even told it to their girlfriends and they knew that going into marriage. Yeah. And I was like, again, each person their own, if it works out and that's, they're attracted to each other and all that. But for me, I had never experienced that with a woman. And so like, I would not do that to a woman for my own selfish reasons of just wanting to do that. Mm. Um, And, but during that process is when I, I think I lost hope for that, like kind of magic pill that I felt was always dangled Mm -hmm. in front of me. By very well-meaning people, uh, because when I look back at the people that I told or interacted with, they were were kind and loving, and honestly, that's just what they thought, right? They had no experience with that, so they're like, oh, you are very misguided. Like, you're about to do something horrible with your body that God hates, so we're helping you by mm-hmm. giving you this other option. So, and I had no, of course, there was no visibility except in a secular world, those horrible people pushing their horrible agendas. Um <laughs> The, the magical gay agenda that uh, that people think happens in some dark room. A magical one. Yes. I've just heard about the gay agenda, but I yes. want this magical well, one. The, <laughs> the magical one is because, like, no one can actually be like, wait, who's doing this? Like, who's the president <laughs> of the gay agenda? Like, who is, who, is, who is doing that? But, yeah, so that was an interesting, yeah, interesting time of just repressing it even further. Because, again, that was my only option and what I thought I should do. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking about, uh, you know, having grown up in a more conservative Christian community myself and uh, heard a lot of messages like this. Fortunately, I, I, I don't think I ever really believed in the idea of conversion therapy. I was afraid of it, but I, I don't think I ever believed in it. Um but, you know, I also read Wesley Hill and was greatly yes. affected by it. Yeah. I, I met Wesley Hill briefly, oh, wow. okay. um, which he, he seems like a great person. Yeah. And I have a lot of respect for him. Right. But, yeah, that was amazing what he did, like to yes. make those stances. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I still respect him. And yeah. I know there's a lot of people who get very mad with him. And uh, just everyone's mad at him in right. general. Um, oh. But... I just was thinking about how being queer in a more conservative Christian space, um, specifically ones that are much more into purity culture, because they're not, they're not like that, uh, is just an inherently dissociating experience. Um, And I think Mm. that, growing up in purity culture is dissociative for everyone, but it is doubly dissociative for someone who is queer uh, or specifically trans like, like I am. There is this idea of, Oh yeah. Don't do not connect with, with this physical self. Yeah. Just really relating to all of that. Something that, I can't, like, I keep thinking about, and I've been thinking about it since we chatted uh, a few weeks ago, is now you're in this space where you you accept who you are, you accept Mm -hmm. your sexuality, 
uh, you're no longer a Christian, if today you met with someone who said, I was gay, now I'm straight, mm, how would oh, you respond to that? Oh, that's a really good question. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's great. Um, my mind goes multiple directions. One, my a very passive-aggressive side. <laughs> My passive aggressive side wants to be like, well, you weren't gay in the first place. You know what people are telling me <laughs> like, about you must yeah. not be a Christian in the first place. So I go that way. And I'm like, well, that's not fair. Um, you know, I would, I would believe that I'd want to listen. I'd want more questions if they were willing to answer them um, or more answers. I feel like there's a lot of things that I still, myself being new to the queer community are still mm-hmm. like wrapping your head around. Like, they're, you know, just like any community, there's a lot of things that, you're like, oh, I don't fully understand that yet. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean I don't believe it. I just don't understand it. So the the more idea, the idea of someone being just more fluid as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I have more friends that are like, oh, they identified this way. And then they identified this way at mm-hmm. another time. They're like, well, no, I wasn't hiding anything. That's who I was. And that messes with my mind. Like, I totally get it. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, it was hard enough for me to like. <laughs> deal with this one thing like you're telling i may like switch but uh so I, in that vein of things like even within the queer community of us um even on the level of someone saying like oh i'm non-binary and then at this certain point they're like oh well i'm these pronouns more attached to me like this mm-hmm. is what i feel or or somebody who lived life one way for a while and then felt this way like that jives with that right mm. but i also know that that's kind of like an easy out right to mm-hmm. just use that of being like oh well you you actually changed like god didn't do that like you just changed in the mm-hmm. way that some people are more fluid and other other cultures are have been more fluid but i think i would honestly i would believe them in the same way that i like our our mutual friend i respect him so greatly and i respect his beliefs and even though i don't adhere to them that doesn't mean i don't think that he's believes what he believes or mm-hmm. so I think for that person I I would be fine it wouldn't it wouldn't rattle anything for me mm-hmm. because I think now on the other side of it again I don't have regrets of like oh I wish I'd come out earlier I mean there obviously there would have been benefits to that um but at the same time having come out was just confirmation that this is who I am mm-hmm. and Oddly enough, despite what oftentimes religions will say is like, okay, you just want to do this because you want to sin. Right. right. I'm very so, familiar with that. Yes. <laughs> so, and ironically, and I have gotten that a little bit and I'm like, really? So you think I was celibate until I was 40 because I wanted to wait, you know, like mm. I gave up the prime years of my, you know, debauchery. Um, <laughs> but what I was telling a friend is, as I was leading up to it, right, and I'm sure everyone who has you know stepped away from the norm has has dealt with like is it worth actually going through the pain of coming out like the the mm-hmm. pain that it will cause uh my family or my community or my friends is it worth all of that to be on the other side so for me i really wrestled with that because i thought you know what i am 40 at this point not not dead but i'm 40 i've made it this far like maybe i just write it out because everyone everyone loves me they have a box that i'm in i'm mentally not in that box but i'm in the box for them Mm. and 
my concern was because of some of the stereotypes I had about gay culture of like, okay, I'm past my prime. Will I actually Mm -hmm. find someone? Will this just be miserable? Because now I'm going through a second adolescence, which I don't, don't, you know, blame that on any of that bringing or all that, but that's just what it is. So is that worth me being like a teenager and like dating for the first time, which that's a whole nother story. Um, If on the other side, I'm just going to be like, Oh, now I have the heartbreak of a 15 year old. Like, was this worth it? But after I made the post and had the conversations, the tough conversations with, uh, with family and with friends and, and all of that stuff, the feeling that I felt again, this is after it. Not like I just hit send and you do, you just feel good because you told the truth. Like not that yeah. sense, but the months later after, after the hard conversations, like the, that feeling that I'm just like, I did it. Like I'm, I'm, authentic in that way um and we all struggle to every day to be authentic and in true but for me that feeling i was telling a friend like all this time i was worried about was it going to be worth it on the other side and in my mind Mm -hmm. the only reason it would be worth it is like okay i get into a committed relationship i'm married you know whatever that's what i took as worth it but for me i had that moment and then that kind of like that high lasted for like three weeks where I was just like, this is worth it. Like if I never date, if I never kiss, cause I had never kissed anyone before. Like if I never do any of those things, literally this feeling is worth it because I, and again, it's not a matter. I wasn't telling anybody off. I wasn't none of those things. It was just like, I am finally able to just say who I am. And, and that's, that's enough. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, that was like mind blowing. Because yeah. all this time I was like, oh, no, the only way if it's going to be enough is if I get, again, that perfect thing that's being dangled <laughs> above, right? That's still kind of purity culture of like, in this perfect relationship and in this thing. Um, but that was that was like groundbreaking to me it, to, to be like, wait, this literally was it. Like, I don't I don't need mm-hmm. to succeed in this lifestyle, quote unquote, whatever that means for whoever. I literally just in being that authentic and just being like, no, this is my body. This is what it is. um, Was enough for me. And I honestly, I still feel like I can say that now it's coming. Oh no, it's been over a year now since I've been out. Um, And I've had all those experiences. They've been, been great. First relationship and all that. Um, But it's still like, I hadn't thought about that in a little while, but it's just mind blowing to me that you're like, no, that still was worth it to, mm. to go. And um, just even that, and just the way that I view my body after that, just it's changed. It's, it's just almost like a light switch where you're just like, Oh, now I, not that everything's better, but you're like, Oh no, it's fine. It's just yeah. this normal, like, Oh, okay. It's Tuesday now. You know what I mean? Like you can just move on. And mm. yeah, I'm thinking about, uh, I, I I often have this thing of, oh, well, this certain okayness or like happy experience is dependent on these other people's mm. either, either, you know, uh, you were talking about like being in a committed relationship that depends yes. on someone else absolutely, or like, you know, family or whatever. And I keep learning more and more of like, what about one that does not actually depend mm. on other people? Um, and and that's what you're talking about Absolutely. so beautifully of this idea of actually no just me being out yeah. 
and accepting this and living into this, which I I recognize as I'm saying that the living yeah. into it has such a negative yeah. connotation right, in the yeah. Christian world, but like right. living this out, um, yeah. that's enough. Yeah. I think it's very hard to let go of what, what other people can do for you. No, absolutely. Yeah. Well, what you were saying earlier about the, um, if 30 is gay dead, yes. if 40, <laughs> you know, you, you grew up in this culture, this more conservative culture, this purity culture. You are not in that anymore. And now you are in more of the sort of queer space, yes. specifically yeah. the gay male right. space. Right. What's that like? Yeah, what's so interesting is I have always been extremely adaptable to situations. Like I... In part, my personality, in part, being raised to be all things to all men or all people for me, I'm thinking all men. Um, and then there's also the negative things of, right, of just like being people pleasing. So I have a, a mm-hmm. mix of those things where I generally fit into most situations. And I'm also very out of sight, out of mind when it comes to even like where I live or where mm-hmm. I traveled for the last 15 years of my life, I've traveled for work. And so I was all over the place. And so for me, it's not a big deal to be in a new space or a different Mm -hmm. city or like those things don't affect me very greatly. And I I feel like I kind of adapt to areas very well. And so for me, coming into the, this queer space in the neighborhood I live in is extremely queer. Um, and, and a bunch of other things as well. And so it's, (laughs) it's a lot at times, but as somebody put it once, uh, when I said I was going to move to that area and they were like, oh, they're like, nobody's going to look at you. Like, nobody's going to care if you're holding hands with me. Like, that's the tamest thing that mm-hmm. happens there. And so for me, it's been really good because it's made me, you know, I was all prepared to to deal with, you know, in the May male gay world and then like all the other mm-hmm. options that are out right there. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Am I being judgy here? Or is it okay if I just don't like this or I don't understand? Mm-hmm. So that's all another conversation. But I think for me, what was so interesting is how easily I, I fit in. Mm-hmm. And by fit in, um, I don't mean that like I got it and that sense, but the the way that things just felt natural and normal. Like, for instance, I'll give this, which this is personal, but I've already implied it. So the first, um, again, had my first relationship, my first boyfriend. We're not together now, but it was a fantastic first experience is an amazing man. So um, the first time that I had sex, I it was a fantastic experience. And I got home and I just started to clean up around the apartment. And I was like, oh, I need to do laundry. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, I need a call. You know, I have my list of all my friends. Again, I've waited 40 years to have sex. Like, I have, a, I have like, a list of all these people that in my mind, I was like, I'm going to tell this person. I'm going to tell this person. And I'm going to talk about this with this person. But it just felt so normal and so natural that I literally had to be like, oh, I probably should tell this person. I probably should tell this person. I probably should call my best friend. Like, and that's how I felt with a lot of of the queer space of just being like, yeah, like this is where I belong. Now, again, not say every different avenue. Like mm-hmm. for me, it's been like, okay, this bar I'm at, this bar I don't. Just like, you know, a straight yeah. bar, you're like, oh, this is not for me. This is not how I like to be or, you know. So not to say in every venue, but I would just say for me, 
and I think that's part of the benefit of coming out older as well. Like mm-hmm. I have a lot of life experience. So I, instead of being a young person, that's kind of like, oh, wait, I just hung out with those people. I probably shouldn't have. Like I already have that right of being like, oh, I've talked to you for a few minutes that I already know. Like, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's not hang out. Um, so I have that, that kind of wisdom that comes with age that I think has been, or not think, has been very beneficial. But I have also delighted in just the vast diversity among the queer mm-hmm. space. And so even within the gay male space is that as much as you try to not think you're thinking of stereotypes when that's the only thing you have, mm-hmm. like when the only like you're like, oh, I only have Will and Grace and I only saw one episode, you know what I mean? Or whatever, yeah. like you have this certain image, right? Um. And you think you don't because you're like, oh, I'm more open-minded. But then you're talking to somebody and you're like, oh, I'm sorry. No, you can't be. Like, you're not. Yeah. Like, so that's been really helpful both for me personally just to be like, yeah, that also frees me to be like, no, I don't need to have this look or be this type of personality or put on this mask or, or whatever. And I have also been very pleasantly surprised and, and it, it again, may just be this specific area, but even the more body positivity acceptance in in this specific space that I didn't expect. Like I expected it to still be sort of that, yeah, but there's still the ideal male, right? Where you're like, right. yeah, we'll settle, but like, this is what you want. Yeah. Um, and of course there still is that. There's still body image issues. There's all, there's all of that there, but there's just a lot more of the like, no, this is our community. This is what we like. Like we accept mm. it's fine. Like we recognize not everyone has that body. So um, that's been a very, very positive to me, a positive. I knew it would be more of a sex positive place, but to be more mm-hmm. of a body positive space. Mm. Um, and of course that depends on the people you surround yourself with. So I've chosen to of course be around yeah. the people that are going to uh, be that way. But um, that's been extremely um, extremely beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. I know the last time we were talking, we, we were talking about the problem of boxes and mm. right now you're, you're talking yes. about like, yeah, it, it, um, we often think about like the stereotypes of this, but it, you can talk to people who are like this, who might be yes. very body negative and people who are, yes. and there's, there's all sorts of that. And there's all sorts of Christians, yes. um, yeah. Uh, you know, you're still friends mm-hmm. <laughs> with yes, someone yeah. who, who is more of a conservative Christian. I was wondering if you could just talk about your feelings about boxes and oh yeah, absolutely, and, yeah, your ideas about that. Yeah. So when I decided to, I I posted publicly is how I decided to to do it. And but before then, I made like a list of like, okay, who's going to be really hurt that like they read mm-hmm. this online as opposed mm-hmm. to me telling them. And so I was kind of going through my list of, of people that I was like, I want to just give a heads up and, you know, to try to save because I don't want to end relationships with this uh, unless I choose to do so. So one of them was someone that I've, I've been close to, but we don't talk a whole lot, but been, been close to and grew up together. And they were often kind of like the black sheep of all the things. You know, they were mm. always the one doing these crazy things. Yeah. They were always the ones either changing religion or trying something new or even tattoos when they were super <laughs> taboo or, you know, all these things. So they were kind of the, the black sheep of the community. And so the way I presented it to them is I was like, I called and I was like, I've got good news. 
you're not going to be the black sheep anymore. I was like, <laughs> you're going to have like a solid two to three years where nobody talks about you. So you can do whatever you want. Like, um, and she of course was, you know, fantastic and accepting and delightful, but her, what she told me, which was so helpful. She was like, okay, can I give you one piece of advice? Um, and I was like, absolutely. And she goes, as somebody who has kind of lived their life as this black sheep, always this other, always someone that people are just like, why does this person keep doing these things? Why do they do that? Why? Like always the topic of conversation. Um, she was like, don't put yourself or let other people put you in another box. You are about to get out of the box that you have been in since you were a child. Like people have always left you in that box. Um, and she's like, and people... Uh, everyone included myself included need people to be in boxes. Like that's how we Mm -hmm. organize things. Like that's just, there's just human nature. And so because you're out of a box, they need to put you in another one and you have to fight that. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, for her, she used the illustration of um, that. She herself was liberal, but because she had lived for a long time uh, in Israel, she was very pro Israel. And mm-hmm. so here she's liberal, but she's pro-Israel, which people are like, wait, no, you're supposed to be the opposite. You're not allowed it's Republican. To do yeah, that. You're, these are all connected. And she's like, it blows people's mind because they're like, wait a minute, that makes you a diehard that, that makes you this. Cause this this mm-hmm. box, like you can't you can't be in both boxes. You can't right. be for this country in a liberal like um and use that as an illustration. And and then she also was like, and it's important you don't do it to yourself either, mm-hmm. because we will we'll do that all the time. And I've, I've thought about that often um, because being in a box is also easier, right? It's safer, right? Because you're like, we're all here together. Like, mm. this is where I fit. And in the same way that I can look back, even on my upbringing, I'm not like, oh, it was so horrible. I was repressed, all those things. Because at the time, I'm like, mm. no, I'm following the box, right? This is the box. And in my case, I believe that that's what God wanted I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, right? So there was right. peace in that. There was comfort in that. There was, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. Like, even if it's painful to me, I'm making the right choice. Yeah. So even when it's that self-contained box, but I found in that case, that's another tangent. But when you have that self-contained box, you spend most of your time convincing people and pointing people mm-hmm. to the box and be like, look what I'm in. See all the things I'm doing? Like, I'm so great. Um, <laughs> but that piece of... Of, of boxes by has been really helpful because within the community as well people want to know where you fit in and right. so I've, I've run into that a lot of times with people are like well now wait do you like this or are you part of this community or are you part of this or are you going to do this and then when I'll say oh well I don't know I'm, I'm figuring that out or I don't really like that they'll automatically be like oh well then you must do this you're like no no like there's not that kind of always connection there so for me, a carryover from religion is kind of that fundamentalism that is that always makes things very, very binary or like mm-hmm. if this, then. Yeah. So and I, I struggle with it. Even just the other day, I found out something about a friend of mine and I immediately was like, oh, wait a minute. If that's true about them, then they, this must be this and this and this and this. And I don't even know them. I'm like, wait a minute. No, this thing can be individual. <laughs> like it doesn't mean all of these other things. So um, to me, that's part of that box Mm. shoving that we do and we do to others. And, um, and it's been a, it's, it's been really helpful for me to kind of push back on those things to be like, yeah, I can be someone 
that is in this this queer space um and as a gay male but monogamy is more my jam and this is what i want and this is like i don't have to be like this or i don't have to be like that or just because that's my jam it doesn't mean i can't want to do this thing too and i can't do these things and for me because i grew up more with that mindset of everything being that boxy way it's overwhelming because i'm like wait where's the order then right like you can't like you can't have all these options exactly yeah yeah i have to know the line tell me when i cross it um and but as i have actually lived it out lived out that kind of boxless life which i already feel like i need to give all kinds of theological things behind that that. (laughs) but um it's like no i'm 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 fine and how I live is actually not that much different than I lived before. Like I still have my values, my standards. Mm-hmm. I still seek to be a good person. Um, and as a little tangent, since we've been talking religion, I spoke with um, someone that I'm close to and grew up with um, that was extremely upset um, about me coming out and not being a Christian. And they didn't want me to, I used to hang out with them and their kids a lot and was very involved. And they were like, I don't want you to talk to my kids unless mm. I'm preg- uh, pregnant. <laughs> That'd be fun. Um, talk to my kids unless I'm present or, and when I push back, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like I've been a part of their lives, their, mm-hmm. their whole lives. Like I'm, I'm the same person. I realize that things have shifted for you. I realize this is worldview stuff. And they were surprised that I was hurt. They were like, oh, I didn't think you'd be hurt. I thought you would understand. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you just made me a villain. Like, anyway. Yeah. But the reason I bring that up is because their main concern, and again, they grew up, went to a different college, but also a Bible college as well, and very into, um, uh, into the church. Their point was, they were like, how... And they meant this genuinely. They were actually crying when they were talking about it. And they're not a big crier. They're like, I don't know how you're going to function like day to day. Like, how how do you know what's right and what's mm-hmm. wrong? Like, how will you make those decisions? And um, and they're like, I'm, and they, again, genuine concern. They weren't trying to like mm-hmm. come at me with theology. They were genuinely did not know how it was going to function. I've had several people talk to me like that. And I I, I told them, I said, well, honestly, like, I haven't noticed a difference like in, in how I live my day-to-day mm-hmm. life. Like there hasn't been a difference. And he's like, well, what, what do you, he's like, there's no accountability. Like there's no, mm-hmm. like, how do you know? And again, that kind of like, there's no boxes, like where are the walls? And I was like, Oh, absolutely. I was like, there is accountability. I was like, there's accountability in every face that I look in. Like mm-hmm. I, if I'm being a piece of crap to somebody and I'm hurting somebody, like if I'm sitting here saying things that I know are hurtful to you and I see that in your face, even if I don't mean them, I'm like, Oh, there's a check there. Like mm. there's accountability. When I look in the mirror myself at the end of the day, there's accountability. Cause I'm like, Oh, Kizzy, you were selfish today or you, mm. you know, whatever. And, and I was like, I know that sounds like a, a crazy shift from like having, you know, a God that's telling you specifically mm-hmm. what to do versus like interpreting that. I was like, but honestly, I feel like I'm a better person because now I'm not being kind or being generous to you because somebody told me to like the parent that's like Mm. apologize Casey you have to tell them (laughs) but instead I'm like no I'm being kind to you because you're a human and we're connecting and I don't fully understand you you don't Mm. fully understand me but we can connect Mm. and I can care so I'm making my choices to 
do good in the world based off the fact because I should do good in the world, not because I'm being told or I'm going to be punished or sent to hell or I'm horrible. And I was like, honestly, I think I'm a much better person than I was before, even though I was, I was pretty awesome. Um, (laughs) But, uh, and uh, so that was just a really interesting conversation um, that we had. And I also pointed out, and again, I'm not trying to rail against religion here, but I also pointed out to him, I said, well, but the Bible, and in this case, how I was raised, it was following the Bible, the doesn't give you a lot of specific, I mean, there are some things that are ridiculously specific, but as far as like interacting with his wife, for example, like yeah. it doesn't tell you what to do in every situation, right? Like you're making those choices. And he's like, well, I pray about it. There's the principle that said, yeah, but you are making those choices. Like you're doing it under the leadership of God um and as best you can tell and the principles in scripture but ultimately you're still making those day-to-day decisions Mm -hmm. there's only the really big things which are in pretty much every religion like don't kill don't you know those things that are are doing that otherwise you're following books about interpreting that interpret it so that's a whole religion tangent but um i think for me that's 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 whole part of that box structure where i'm like now that i'm out of it i don't feel like i'm out of it like there's freedom in that and there is it can be overwhelming, right? Because I still run into things, e- even within the queer space, where I'm like, "Hi, that doesn't sit well with me," and I'm not going to go from one fundamentalism to the other. So I'm not going to jump on the train and be like, "Oh, wait, if if a bunch of queers say this is okay, then it's fine," right? Because right. now I'm part of that. Um, and I've had a lot of conversations about that with people that just get upset with me. We're like, Oh wait, how can you like, you're part of us now. You have to, I was like, Whoa, mm. I was like, that is dangerous in every way. Every, every group of people, no matter how well-intentioned you get us in a room together, we are stupid and make bad decisions and do horrible things mm-hmm. uh, because we get that us first them. And yeah. then it's like, Oh wait, we'll cancel you. If you don't like that. You're like, no wait, like we can still make mistakes. <laughs> like we didn't all of a sudden become, right. um, and so I think that's part of also not letting yourself be in a box, right? Like you can be around people that are like, oh, this is a safe space now. And somebody says something where you're like, oh, no, I don't think we should say that. Or I don't think that's how we should live or how we mm-hmm. should like, you've got to be comfortable standing up to that instead of being like, oh, wait, I am in this specific gay, male, queer, whatever space. I now have to toe the line, right? right. And that I'm very grateful to have that kind of fundamentalist radar because there's many times mm-hmm. in a group and even my friends are like we can see it in your face like when you start to be like it's happening we're doing <laughs> it like we're um and uh uh or you know trying to pull shame and of like oh we're gonna shame this person into doing what we want and i'm like oh no 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 we're not gonna do those are like, some very old yes, tactics yeah, exactly yeah like we've gotta gotta move past that um yeah and so right now i'm in the, this process of I've gone to more conservative traditional churches all my life. Um, I'm currently going to one. And I'm now visiting uh, progressive churches, churches that Mm. would accept me for who I am, Mm. which has been very difficult to get to. And, and I'm in this place of like, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm always going to be connected to this more conservative experience like there's a lot of people i love who i'm not just gonna stop talking to right um 
I could, but I feel like my life would be so much less interesting. Absolutely. Uh, and less full without them. And so I visit these these more progressive churches and and I say, you know, like this is this is where I'm coming from. And I the, the immediate sort of response is like, oh, those conservative like yep. bad people. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, right. like those are my, <laughs> those, are my those are my yeah. dear dear friends. Yes. And those priests, like those are people that I mm-hmm. love and care about. I may have like a lot of hurt feelings. I may have mm-hmm. anger, but I still talk to those people and I still love those people. Mm-hmm. And I do very much feel that sense of like, mm-hmm. well, we just had to shift the lines on who's bad now. Yeah. Um. And I'm I'm also incredibly uncomfortable with that. Um, so I I always get a little concerned when it's like they said this one bad thing, or or yeah. they are in this this world and they believe these things, and so they're bad. It's like I thought we were trying to get out of some more black and white thinking, yeah. but it's really easy to fall into for all of us. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just it's so the. The irony being that for those uh, that have been extremely marginalized and and hurt by any other group, the response, and sometimes you just have to protect yourself, right? And you have Mm -hmm. to just be like, okay, I'm getting out of it. If it's really toxic or that, so I'm not Mm -hmm. advocating for always. But just as a general rule, it's like, okay, we've been hurt, so now we're going to literally do the same thing to them, right? Yeah. Like, we're going to cut them off. We're going to call them the most horrible thing we can think of, like, mm-hmm. and, and and kind of cancel them in that way. Um, and then wonder at the same time to be like, oh, why aren't they changing or understanding mm-hmm. what what we're coming from? And you're like, well, you, you cut them off and you called them horrible things and you didn't listen to their side of the story. And yes, they did that to you, but it's... It's that same, again, not to equate it because it's, but just use it as an analogy, like with when you have a place where racism is at play and then you have the other group that is then racist, you know, it just is this endless cycle of like, okay, well, you treated me this way, so we're going to treat you this way. And then they're like, well, we're treating you this way because you treat this way and I'm treating you this way because you treat me this yeah. way. It's and, a gang violence. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's a, yeah, that's a better analogy. And so it, it of course destroys the conversation. Yeah. But each side then or for the queer community, we could be like, well, that's, you know, that's what you get because you never let us speak. And we're like, well, one group at some point, and again, not to make one bad or good, but one group at some point has to take the high road of being like, okay, we're going to be the ones to sit and listen. And we're going to be the ones to, to make that bridge. Because like you mentioned, there may be one thing that you disagree with someone on, and that may be super important to you. Right. And we, yeah. we talked about this. I mean, there's, for us, that's a, a difficult part with the religious community, right? Where it's like, it's not like they disagree that like, oh, we drive this color car or we have bumpers yeah. on our cars or whatever. Like the thing they disagree on is really core yeah. to who we are. And it's like, it's really convenient, the core of who you are. You're fine. Okay, but, um, <laughs> so it's 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 much more personal than it's yeah. for them. It's a list of things because they're like, no, it's not personal. We have this whole long list. You're like, yeah, but one of those things on your list is me. So, yes. but that's another story. Um the point being that like this idea and there are good things that have come out of different movements and things like that, but in the cancel culture, but the idea to like cancel someone for one wrong move or out of proportion is like, 
ignores all the other things about them, right? Like if, if any of us have been recorded our whole life, like we've all messed up and we'll mess up continually in that way. So to on the, even on the religion end to be like, okay, let's keep those lines of communication open, like focus on the things like for you, you're like, there are things about these, these services or even the, how, how they function that resonate with you mm-hmm. and you don't want to lose those people. And not only are is your life deeper for being closer to them, they actually have a connection to someone that is other to them, right? Mm-hmm. Like you are providing a, a huge benefit for them. And and that's not why you do it, right? You're, they're your right. friends because they're your friends. But when we completely separate from any group, we're just going to make them more bigoted and more misunderstood mm-hmm. about us because they don't have, they don't have yeah. any friends. Like for me... I grew up very rural. And so my family, I am fairly certain, has never actually talked to somebody who is out publicly, mm. much less are friends with them. So for them, it's extremely difficult to, to process all of this. Mm. Because in their mind, the only thing is like, again, slippery slope. He's going to be doing these horrible things. He's going to get all these diseases and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to indoctrinate kids or whatever because they have no person that is actually stuck yeah. with them where when I think about the relationships that I'm connected with still, even just because they're friends, not because I'm trying to do this, but now in their mind, they're like, oh, wait a minute. There is, there are good and kind people that are in this world that are not just monsters yeah. um, as we have created them to be. And so I, I feel like just that's so vital because you can't, you are forced to deal with your own prejudice when it's literally sitting in front of you. Yeah. Where they're, they're like, they sit down with you and again, your purpose isn't, uh, I have, I've had to break myself of the evangelism mindset, right? Like we, I don't know if you have that very strong in you where like, there's times where I'm like, wait a minute. I don't need to evangelize on this side. Now that I'm on this side, I don't need to evangelize to other, like that mindset of like, everyone has to agree with me. We all have to agree, right? Because that makes us okay. Um, but the purpose of those friendships is not to evangelize and to be like, now totally understand me and and, mm. and join my cause. But just innately by being a friend, it forces them to, to not other you mm. or other me or... Um, or be able to believe the stereotypes that they grew up believing, right? Because it's, mm-hmm. for me and my story as well, like what broke through that was like, wait a minute, these things that we keep saying are happening aren't true. And um, mm-hmm. like, I personally didn't have a gay friend until I moved to where I live now. Like mm-hmm. my new set of friends here are the first gay friends that I had. So mm-hmm. I think of how different that would have been growing up had there even been someone in the community, even if people disagreed with them, that's fine. But uh, that's anyway, it's a whole long tangent on that. But I just mm. agree with that so strongly where you're like, no change is going to happen when people just evacuate all the spaces that they disagree with. Now, again, there are certain times you need to and for safety and all that. So, but yeah. in general, just this idea of like, oh, Let's punish. And we think of that politically, right? Mm. Like this crazy divide we have where like, it's because we, nobody will talk to each other. It's like, oh, wait a minute. What sign do you have in your yard? Okay, then you're dead to us. We're not going to talk to you whatsoever. And you're like, there may be, yeah, like it just makes things worse and worse. And Mm. yeah. 
when you were talking about, um, I was just reminded of when you were saying uh, the accountability of looking into each other's faces earlier. And that's what I was feeling when you were talking about like being present in someone's life. It, you have to look someone in the face and you have to recognize, Oh, this is a, this is a human. Um, this person has at least some things in common with me, which means it is much harder for me to, to view this as part of like a horror story. Yes. And yeah, but I know that's something that's very, very important to me. I can tell it's really important to you as well. It's difficult. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and as you were saying earlier, you know, you don't want to be friends with someone just because it's like, and I'm going to be their, their guide into yes, this. Absolutely. If you don't actually have anything holding you together, it's right. not going to work. Right. right. Um, yeah. It's just something I think about a lot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's a, a very human issue right but that always when you do disagree with somebody on something fundamental because you even think about can think about it politically to take it out of our sphere even though obviously that's connected um it is difficult to be like when you really do and you care about that person so you care that they think different you know i mean you're like this is deeply personal this isn't like oh you like a different sports team than i do but Mm -hmm. we push past it even though i'm really passionate about like so that does make it difficult to be like Uh, you know, to find that line between like, yeah, but these things are important. And like, I can talk about them or um, like, even for me uh, in speaking with some people that I was close to that I know disagree with, with my, um, my choices. And then for them to still like be my friend, but also intentionally like not want to hear about any of that Mm. stuff. Right. So for me, it was really difficult to have people that close to me. But then when I did date literally for the first time in my life, mm. not ask about him at all. Like I would bring him up just because mm. I was like, I need y'all to get used to like me <laughs> talking about dating. And so I would just, and not in a patronizing way, but just in a small way, would be like, oh, my boyfriend and I went to a movie last night or you know, whatever, like yeah. just putting his name out there. And it was just so painful to be like, those same people be like, so did you get any more house plants or how's your car doing? Like to be like, you're not going to ask about the human being that I'm choosing to be with. Like, and this is huge. Like if I was a kid Mm -hmm. or a teenager, you know, dating, like you would like want to ask, like you would in in any other setting you would, but it's just because you're like, well, I don't know what to do with that. Um, and you're like asking wouldn't like you asking about my plant doesn't mean you condone me owning this plant. <laughs> like it has right. nothing to do with that. It's just human. Right. Um, so I think, I think that's the hard part when for me in those relationships at times, I'm like, well, I don't want to tell you anything else. Like you don't want to mm-hmm. ask about for me, what's the most significant thing happening. And again, I'm not being gross or talking about something that's inappropriate. Like I'm literally just like, oh my goodness, I'm dating for the first time. Or even the funny, yeah. like awkward parts of like just being like, we're, you know, having awkward first dates and all these things. So um, I just, yeah. in there, I just want to catch that even for yourself, you have like this, this immediate idea of talking about a gay relationship and that it could be gross. Oh yeah, yeah. 
I, and I think that's important to note. Cause for me, like in talking about our body, I think like, Oh, well, but it's, it's gross. If, if I talk about the, the sex end of it, but then I'm like, Oh, other single friend. I mean, like that's literally not all they talk about again, but depending on the people, but that, yeah, that distinction of being like, Oh, but I'm being graphic in this way. Or like, we're being respectful. It's just, it is very interesting to note how, how I view that and then how people as well view that kind of concept of, I think in their minds, they're making that connection as well. Like if I Mm -hmm. ask about Casey's boyfriend, I'm implying that it's okay. And ultimately I'm fine with him having sex with men or I'm fine, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, wherever their mind goes again, that kind of progressive, if this, then that, then that, um, instead of just being like, this is a human connected to another human if if he was just my friend and you knew I cared about him, you would ask about him, right? Because yeah. it's like, oh, how's he doing or or what's happening with whatever issue I mentioned. But I think that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's a difficult um, thing to come kind of fight against to then be like, oh, it makes me be kind of want to be like a teenager and be like, oh, if you don't want to ask about things that are important to me, I'm not going to tell you anything. Um, well, and, and of course, there is just a natural decrease in a relationship um, yeah. that's not the right phrase but yeah. you know what i mean of when a certain type of closeness becomes more and more difficult yeah. when i can't talk about the important things that are going yeah. on for me and that's not me saying oh you suck and you're a horrible person but it's just how how close can you be right mm. To bring it back, because I love all, all this rabbit trails. <laughs> like they're 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 great. It's what I live for. But you know, through all of these experiences and changes, um, and physically moving, right. you know, to to be in a place where you are not just like accepted but celebrated. Yeah. How has your relationship with your body changed? Like what is, how do you interact with it now that might be different? Or just how do you interact with it now? Yeah, I think obviously it's a big shift to allow myself to even acknowledge my sexuality. Um, And as I mentioned before, like it, it at the same time also was not a huge deal. Like I thought it would be like this monumental thing. It was just like, no, this is like, feels normal and natural and great. And I, a lot of people that come out of the purity culture in particular have a lot of shame or guilt mm-hmm. wrapped up in those things. I didn't. Um, so for me, that, that was just, that was very freeing. And I think being a part of again and choosing you know we choose the community within the community we're in and so choosing people that are body positive and kind and all those things has really allowed me to just be more comfortable and work through some of those the the body images even that I had dealt with earlier as I went through like kind of desexualizing some of those those things when coming out into the culture like those things come back right because you're like oh wait if now I am, if it is okay for people to look at me sexually or me to mm. look at somebody else sexually, like now I need to look amazing and now I need to like be the best me. And um, 
but I think it's, it, yeah, it's just been really good to be able to not only look at your body more holistically mm. and to be fair, because again, I was celibate the whole time. I think for those who, you know, went into marriage or whatever, they may have that experience where they feel that way already. But for me to, I just feel more whole and feel more in my own body. And I trust myself a lot more where before I would trust the Holy spirit in me. And I, you know, didn't understand how that was. And the only way I would know is like, if it was good, he did it. <laughs> if it was bad, I did it. Um, but for me now, and I'm still still working on this, but like that sense of like really listening to yourself, whatever you call that, your gut or your intuition or wisdom mm-hmm. or whatever, I, I physically can feel things in my body more mm-hmm. of just being like, oh, now, you know, this situation I want to leave, like I'm not comfortable in this. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel that in my body instead of this kind of like sense of like, do I want that? Do I not? It's like mm-hmm. an actual physical feeling and not it's not like some weird like yeah thing it's just literally i would hear people talk about it all the time like that didn't felt right and i would use words like that but i think i've experienced that a lot more now because i'm more in tune with my body and i recently uh was uh diagnosed with an autoimmune disease mm. and there was all kinds of like weird things happening with my joints and pains and made me stop running, which is a big part of, has always been a big part of my life. And that was really difficult. I went through Mm. several months of like having trouble walking. And then I was like, am I going to walk again? Like, you know, all those unknowns and Mm. it still could go. It's one of those diseases that could go horribly bad or not horribly bad. (laughs) But that has made me again, relook at, at my body. And for me, that was really difficult because to use a, uh, a, uh, gay term, like it felt like this was going to be my hot girl summer. Like, you know what I mean? Like I finally, this is my first time being out. And mm. like, just that idea of like, uh, you know, just being confident in your skin, you know, all that kind of stuff. And like, mm. here I am not being able to work out or run and, and hobbling mm. around. And so that has made me reexamine and, look at my body in different ways as well of like just being more kind and accepting to my body instead of I can no longer. And also as I get older, I can no longer do the like young person's thing of like, okay, I can just whip this into, you know, give me two months and I'll like hit the gym. I'll do all this stuff. I'll whip it into submission. Um, Mm. Instead of having to be kind and give grace to my body to be like, okay, today I cannot walk very well and I'm not going to do that or I can't run today or I can't. Um, and in doing so, it has also allowed me to look much kinder on other people's bodies as well. And because I've always thought I was pretty understanding and accepting of people. But when it actually gets down to it, you realize you're like, no, I am pretty. You're like, I hold people to a higher standard than I hold myself. Or I'm like, I, I can eat this whole cake today, but like you shouldn't. because mm. you. So um, that's been really helpful. And something that just came to mind that I've been thinking about is a, a quote. Uh, that said what you admire you aspire to mm-hmm. and when I heard that and their their point was like what you fixate on like you're going to spend your time trying to get to that that place and what came to mind for me immediately because of what's happening with my body right now was I still hold to that 
ideal male body or idealized male body, like that kind of traditional Hollywood style, mm-hmm. both for myself and what I what I want. I'm using air quotes. And I realized because it's kind of like, well, that's what you should want. That's what you should aspire to. That's why you should go to the gym like that. Mm-hmm. Again, that bad body image stuff that I would totally in counseling somebody be like, don't do that. Like, that's yeah. horrible. But I realized I was like, I really admire that to mm-hmm. a at times to an unhealthy degree. And because I admire that, even though if you ask me, I wouldn't say I'm aspiring to that because I also know like my genetics can't, you know, like we, we have yeah. limits and all of those things. Um, but yet I still, because I admire it more than I should, I am then aspiring to that. And mm-hmm. because I'm aspiring to that, I'm unintentionally, I then end up body shaming myself, right? Of being like, I haven't been to the gym for three months, so I can't, I shouldn't mm-hmm. date right now because I'm not dateable. When again, I would, again, roles reverse. I would be like, what are you talking about? Like, mm-hmm. get out there. But that's been something I've been thinking about a lot recently where there has been a lot that has been super helpful and I feel much more connected to my body mm-hmm. um, and much more honestly confident and able to talk with other people about these things and be helpful to each mm-hmm. each other instead of like kind of shrouding everything in shame and everything's in secret and wrong but at the same time because of what I'm dealing with right now I realize you're like oh yeah I still have those kind of underlying things that I need to work through of there's some of that what I admire I aspire to and there, there's still some of that kind of body image of like yeah you're great but <laughs> like this is what people you know like mm. uh so still certainly haven't arrived in that way, but certainly much healthier um, than I was when I started the process. Mm. I, I've been thinking a lot about my, my desire for that idealized mm. male body. Yeah. Uh, even though genetically I'm like, right. that's not, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. not going to happen. Um, and just how invasive that it pervasive and invasive oh yeah um because i've talked to a couple like a few other guys uh trans men cis men and this comes up over and over again of like this body dysmorphia yeah um which we tend to think of as only existing in women uh which it also exists in women uh but it seems to just be all around yeah Something I was also thinking of was, uh, you know, you, you were mentioning about the idea of like trying to whip your body into submission mm-hmm. like <laughs> yes, it, you know, yes. when you were younger. Uh, but also going back to the beginning, you were talking about how in Christianity, in purity culture specifically, we were taught to not trust our bodies. Mm-hmm. And now you are in a space where you have an autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm where I would imagine you also can't trust your body. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's been, I think for me, the idea, like when I think of all the different things that can go wrong as we get older, mm-hmm. for me, the kind of loss of functionality is is uh, there's plenty of other things that I want to dismiss there's a lot of horrible things that, that happen to our bodies as we get older but um is extremely for me really difficult because I've always been 
active and I've always been extremely independent. Um, not just because I've never dated anyone, but, um, the, or hadn't, but because of that, like that kind of independence now having to be limited Mm. is, is really difficult. And the thought of like, oh gosh, I could need, like need someone to do things for me. My body Mm. is literally attacking itself. And Mm. so that's been an interesting, and obviously it's still just an ongoing journey. I haven't even started the medication that'll be next week but um but yeah it was just really a really dark time and it was really bad and I was having trouble walking and um or even moving around at all um yeah I was just like oh like is it if I don't have the capabilities of my body not to be super dramatic but it's like is do I even want like is that worth mm-hmm. is that worth doing that I don't mean that in a a suicidal way but in a sense that um like how would I respond to that like I I put so much value in mm. being able to, mainly my independence and obviously there's other things like oh the thought of not being able to hike or not being able to go for a jog or those mm. things are are difficult for me but even just in general to be like oh gosh because there were times I couldn't put on my shoes like I was you know like those things or even little things like when it feels in my hands like I can't open jar you know and I'm like oh my gosh like I'm <laughs> need people open jars and all that so um and then for me personally the one of the things that I had to grieve through is just this idea which again you this can be a carryover from religion or it can just be human nature like you're like wait i i was so good for so long you know i mean i was faithful for parties and again i didn't do it for rewards but there's that piece of of me at least that's like Mm -hmm. i deserve this right like Mm -hmm. i waited so long like i at least deserve whatever i can you know the good a few good things my way which i've had so many good things so i don't want to deny those things um but I came across another quote. The other second quote that I've been obsessed with the past month is it said, expecting life to be fair because you are fair is like expecting a lion not to eat you because you didn't eat it. <laughs> and uh, I just love it so much. I've just totally dwelt on that so much because even thinking through like, well, why does a lion eat you? Like they could be injured. They could be like, there's so many reasons, <laughs> right? In the same way, someone's a total jerk to you. You're like, that generally doesn't have to do with you. Right. Mm. Um, and uh it's their own stuff. But for me to also have to just really settle into that, to be like, this is not one, this one is actually genetic. And uh, the the specific gene that they tested for in me, 90% of the people who have that gene have this. So it's like, it's mm. pretty much completely genetic. So this is one of those things where you're like, it's literally like, I can't blame myself. Like, oh, I ate too many of this kind of food. Or, you know, like I can't do the blame game at all. It's like literally like, this is your body. Mm. Um, this is what you were born with. Um, it's a whole nother conversation, but, um, the, so for me, that was something else to just work through of like, okay. And this is also something I can't fight. Like, this is not mm-hmm. something that's like, oh, well now I just need to eat healthy. I need to do this. It's like, well, no, literally it's in your gene. And also like, these are what the x-rays and MRI shit, like, this is what's happening. Like we can physically tell you by this blood work, this is what your body is doing. And, mm-hmm. um, so for me that has taken me to another level and I'm still processing it. So I don't want to speak too soon, but at least right now I feel like it's taken me to a new level of acceptance and grace of my body Mm -hmm. of 
just a much kinder view of my body. Like, again, as we talked about in the beginning, your body is something to be molded and shaped for the sake of everyone else. Like, it's Mm -hmm. like a vessel, which, again, that has its own kind of beauty in that way. But, and then to get to a place where I'm like, oh, I can actually use this vessel as I see fit. Like, I can explore Mm -hmm. and, um, uh, and, and actually use this vessel. And then to be hit with something which... I'm trying to not catastrophize again. I could, it can go either way. It can be really bad or not bad. But when it was bad, before I knew what it was, I did catastrophize. And it was kind of like, okay, am I, am I confident enough in like who I am and in this uncontrollable thing that is happening to me? Again, no one's going to like judge me for it, right? But oh, how dare you have that gene? (laughs) Like you let yourself go because that gene, like no one's going to judge me for it. But in my mind, it really did uncover a lot of that next level of stuff body stuff Mm -hmm. that I had to be like oh but does this then like am I less lovable like am I Mm -hmm. like if I am not as capable like I I no longer have this like I'm this capable independent like person yeah um now I just have the mind of that person and potentially not the body and so that was a lot to work through and a lot of uh processing and um yeah so that that's an ongoing thing for me but I love that connection that you made of like the connecting it to the past so I'll have to think about that more of how I interact with it you were talking about judgment and something that automatically came to mind for me you know as someone who grew up in a the conservative church and then the beliefs about being queer did you have you ever had or someone else said to you well you've taken this life choice and now you're ill Mm -hmm. so i first off to back up i had several people when i had my post reach out to me privately and basically all their concerns about like health my Mm -hmm. health would be and and um in judging by how they worded things, I think in their minds, again, because they have no friends that are gay or don't know anything about that, in their minds, they're still thinking like, oh, the AIDS scare. Like they don't yeah. realize that PrEP is that, like they don't, they don't know any of those things, right? Because they don't keep up on that. So in their mind, it's still like, oh, gay means AIDS, you die. Like mm-hmm. that's going to happen to you. And, and whether they're thinking of it as God's judgment or not, they're just, that's their thought. Like that's what's yeah. going to happen. Because um, they're also basing that assumption off of like, oh, well, if you're not, a Christian anymore and you're gay, that means that you are going to be having sex with strangers every day, all day. Like, cause that's what they're, you know, yeah. that's what their mind. They're like, Oh, there's no other option, right? Like you have no morals means you're going to do the worst thing we think you could do and yeah. never do anything safe or whatever. So there's a lot of assumptions there. But for me, when I, when I first started having the issues, it started in my hip and didn't know what it was. And, um, and there was a hesitation to tell certain people because mm-hmm. I was like, I know what they're thinking. They may not say it to me, but I know they're going to think it and they're going to be mm-hmm. praying hard that God uses this as a, you know, a way to get me back and forth. So I did that more to myself than I did to others. And fortunately, I think this is one of the benefits of being older as well. Um, in particular, even how I worded my coming out and everything and, and how I followed up with people. I think has kept a lot of those comments at bay, even though I know they're maybe thinking them. 
but for me, it is interesting. Like anything that happens, um, I'm trying to remember, there was something really simple that happened right after I came. I can't remember what it was, whether it was a sickness or something went wrong with that car. So, and I literally remember thinking like, oh, I'm not going to tell mm. these people because I know they're going to be like, oh, see, God did that. Mm. Um, which of course, on so many levels makes my head explode. Cause I was like, you know, within the church, you have people like die of cancer all the time. Sometimes they get better. Sometimes mm-hmm. they don't. And that that's never a question. Right. Cause it's like, well, we prayed about it. Then it was God's will. But like, mm-hmm. once you're outside of that line, it's yeah. like anything that goes wrong is like, Oh, God's trying to get your attention. Or, um, cause I think I even mentioned to somebody, there was someone who had made a comment similar to that. It was kind of like a passive aggressive one that was like, not directly, but you knew that's what they meant. And there was a time that I got pretty bold at, Talking back to people, I was trying to still be respectful, but I was like, you know what? I wish that when I was in that position and I was saying those things to other people with the, honestly, the utmost intention, I would pray over those emails I would send out. You know, I would wait a day, you know, you would think about them, you would cry about what you were about to say, but you just felt so strongly you still did it. When I think back to that, I was like, there were some people that responded back, but most people just, you know, didn't, right? Because they're like, I don't don't have time for this. But I wish more people had come back more directly and kind of pointed out what I was doing. Again, as kind as they could, but like had kind of told me like, hey, can I just point out a few things that you're doing here that you don't realize? So I did with people that I thought either could handle it or wasn't connected enough to me where I'm like, they're not going to be my friend anymore after Mm -hmm. this. Like, so I might as well like practice this is Brene Brown says, uh, clarity is kindness like that, Mm -hmm. like be clear. So, and there was one person in particular who sent me a message and I had not talked to her in several years. She just saw my post. Um, and sent me this I was classic I mean it was literally like exactly how I would have written it like I mean it was yeah. just like the standard like I almost wanted at one point I almost posted all the ones I got because I was like do any of y'all notice that all of these literally are following mm. the same pattern like mm. do you not realize that you're indoctrinated in this way that we're like say this and then anyway but nonetheless basically she just very sweetly again loving person I respect her so much uh had worked with her in the past But she basically was like, you know, this isn't God's best for you. Um, You know, I I pray that you'll, you know, turn and, you know, all the, all these things and listed all these things out. I know that you're feeling this, this is what you need to do. I know that, you know, I have faith that you'll come back around. Yeah. All these things. And I responded back to her. I gave it a couple of days to make sure. And then I responded back to her as kind as I could that I was like, because I respect you, I am... I want to be honest with you. I know you meant this with the best intentions. And to be honest, what's most painful about this message is not necessarily what you said, but the fact that I said that to other people. Yeah. (laughs) And I said, I did the same thing that you did. I did not ask any follow-up questions. You have not talked to me for two years. You read this one post Mm -hmm. and you wrote me this long letter. You told me how I felt, Mm -hmm. which was a rewriting of what I wrote. Like that's not what I said I felt. You told me what I needed to do. Um, and then you told me how I would feel when I did it. Mm. And then you told me who I was because she was trying to appeal, which mm. she's like, I know you're the godly man that will make the right choice. We were like, and then you like spiritually mm. manipulated me. Like, mm. and then I sent it to her and her response back was like, oh, I didn't mean that. Like, that's not what I meant. And I was like, but that's what you wrote. Mm. Um, but anyway, I'm going off at a, on, on a tangent. But 
I definitely do feel that sense that, again, looking at things punitively, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, oh, see, that's your mistake. Or um, like when I, you know, broke up with my boyfriend, it's like, oh, well, if I tell people that, they're going to be like, well, that's why it didn't mm-hmm. work out because you're not doing what God wants when I want to be like, um... First off, I'm pretty sure I'd know only like one person who married the person they went on their first date with. Like that's not abnormal to break up. Um, and and then I also want to be like, yeah, when I was following God, I've been in three major car accidents that I should have killed me. I had a mm. major like they had used the defibrillators on me growing up. Like I had all these crazy things happen to me all my life, and that was when I was doing the right thing, right? Mm. So it's like. I've been healthier and happier since then. Um, but yeah, you're right. It, it is in the back of my head. And like, oh, I know if I tell them. Because um, there was one person in particular I told. And they were like, how how do you spell that? And I was like, because they're putting it in the prayer letter that they're going to send to the church. Like, <laughs> I know that they're going to. Like, I know that's why yeah. they're asking. Not because they're going to research it themselves. Uh, I am curious. You've talked a lot about it, but you haven't actually named oh, what yeah. it is. Um, so it is, uh, no, I don't mind saying it. It is a non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis. Which, I think I now understand why you did Which took me name. three days to be able to say it. At that point, I was like, oh my gosh, if you ask, can I say it? Um, and so it is, the non-radiographic part is that it's not, the x-rays don't show the bone fusion yet. So mm-hmm. what this is, is it's basically, it's an autoimmune and auto inflammatory disease. So my mm-hmm. body is attacking where muscle and tendons meet bone, mainly mm-hmm. in the back is normally where it happens. For me, it's the knees and feet. But the way the bone responds to that is it grows. And so it'll fuse. So like it'll mm-hmm. could, again, it's not a guarantee. I keep telling myself that like could fuse the spine together mm-hmm. completely. So that's why you have to stay in shape. Like they were telling me about working out and I was like, okay, I can get on board with that. They're like, well, the reason you need to do that is if or when your spine starts to fuse, if you have not a strong core, like it'll fuse over like this and you won't mm-hmm. be able to look up. And I was like, oh, there's a motivation for the gym. Or it'll fuse your ribs to your spine. So like you can't, you know, when you breathe, your, your ribs expand, you have to just be able to breathe with not the moving. Mm-hmm. Or your feet will just completely the bones will all fuse together. And obviously that's unpleasant. Um, Mm. It's not guaranteed that it will go again into that route, but I am already having some issues with my feet. And so that makes them think that it has the option to do that, but they don't know. So the the Mm. drug that I'm taking actually will attack those extra attack cells that Mm. are going there. And for a lot of people, it helps. Uh, but because of the family it's in, it's something that is, it's just going to happen. Like you can't necessarily mm. stop it, but some of these new drugs maybe can. So um, mm. uh, for me, having it named was really helpful mm-hmm. because I had already, because of the blood work and everything, I had already given up on the hope that like, oh, maybe it's just something really random and weird, right? Mm. That passes through. Like we have those things where you're like, oh my goodness, like I feel like I've broken my hip and then it's gone. You're like, oh, okay, I'm fine. Um, so I had definitely, since I knew it was something, and this was one of the, of the kind of my options, this was the one I didn't want, <laughs> not that you could, you know, choose. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is nice to know specifically, like, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. It is genetic. 
Um, and then once I'm on this medicine, it's literally like other than exercising, I've, that's all I can do. So it's not one of those things where I have to like every day be like, can I try something new? Like maybe mm-hmm. there's some new vitamin or some that kind of stuff drives me crazy. But um, so I feel much more positive about it. Recently, this week has been really good physically as well. And so that's been more, uh, more hopeful. Um, so yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like, uh, we could probably have a note, a whole nother oh, episode yeah, yeah. <laughs> where we just talk about that further yes, along. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we're coming to a close. Is there anything else you want to say? Hmm. No, I think, I think for me, as I, as I think about it and in our conversation, it's just been really nice to, without even me intentionally trying it, like the, the kindness and the grace Mm -hmm. to use a more religious word that I have, have given my body, Mm -hmm. um, that I didn't even necessarily know it needed. Like I knew it needed like kind of the freedom in some areas, but yeah. I didn't didn't realize that that kindness piece, which to me is different than the acceptance piece, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it also fits within the queer culture, right? Where you're like, yeah, there's there's that difference between being invited to the party versus being asked to dance at the party, right? Mm-hmm. There's you're technically in the building, but you're still not not a part of the group. Um, and I feel like that relationship with my body is is beginning where like I started the process of, of accepting it. I have now kind of just freed it to be a normal body. And like, you know, mm-hmm. depending how people are raised, they'll be like, you're doing weird things with it, but um, just allowing it to be a body. And then now with this disease um, and even just living in it is just giving it more grace and kindness, looking mm-hmm. at it with, uh, with more grace and kindness. So that's encouraging. So I've enjoyed talking about it. Yeah, I definitely noticed a lot of gentleness mm-hmm. as you were talking about this painful and perhaps frightening experience mm-hmm. that you're only in the initial stages right. of dealing with. Right. It is not always that way. It doesn't always have to be that way. But I, I do sense that you have been on this journey and yeah are are at this place of um of recognition of where you are at and i don't know if acceptance is the right word mm-hmm. as as you were saying but a certain groundedness absolutely yeah i would say yeah so yeah thank you oh, thank for you. speaking with me today and mm-hmm. uh hope Hope we get to do it again at some Absolutely. point. Absolutely. One of the grieve things that I had to grief, grieve through, <laughs> grief through. Words are hard. Um, 